the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back as we head into Hour 3. This is a real privilege and a delight and an honor uh, for me, and it will be for you, I guarantee it. Uh, This is, uh, I guess, installment two in our series of two interviews on this fabulous, tremendously important book. What a great gift for the Christmas season and Christmas. The Book of Virtues, 30th Anniversary Edition. Last week, we interviewed William J. Bennett. Uh, We are now uh, delighted to be able to interview uh, Elaine Glover Bennett, who he edited and and did new commentary with this new 30th Anniversary Edition. The Book of Virtues, you can get it at any fine bookseller. Uh, You can get it online. And uh, one of the treats with this 30th edition is that Elaine Bennett, Mrs. Bennett, uh, has di- has collaborated with Bill on this with uh, new new stories, new commentary, and some new edits. Mrs. Bennett, welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Airwaves of Phoenix. Well, thank you, Seth. It's a real pleasure to be back on this great show. Well, it's a I love the it's caption, a policy. It's yeah. a culture and principle to politics. Yeah, I know all of it. I think I probably got that from you guys. Um, it is. I, I just can't tell you what a what a delight it is to have this book. What a delight it is to have your involvement in it and to have you with us. I asked Bill Bill Bennett um, last week a little bit about what you folks wrote in the introduction to the revised edition. Uh, there was a need for this when it first came out, ninety three, nineteen ninety two, ninety three, when you were when you all were working on it and publishing it. You say the need is greater now. Talk to us a little bit about that. Well, Seth, I think we know that um, our culture is is uh, not sound. It's not uh, what we want it to be. It's not where we want it to be. Uh, yet, um, we know we've lost some ground. Uh, there seems to be a lot more anger, certainly a lot more violence. Um, I'm working on that with my program, Best Friends. One of the big issues of the schools that I'm in the D.C. public schools is the um, very bad uh, aspect of bullying and how that can then out of control and uh, and then the violence that can come from that. So, well, every period of, of our history has had its uh, not-so-great um, components where it appears that vice is greater than virtue. Um, we really want to return to some of the time-honored beliefs um, that we all share, no matter what our creed, no matter where, what our economic status, um, or our ethnicity, they're just the basic virtues, and you know what those are, and, and, and in fact, I was surprised how many people sometimes don't remember what we all believe in, which is self-discipline and faith and responsibility and courage and compassion and loyalty, and honesty, and friendship. 
I want Which is very important to me. Yeah, I'll, I'll, and we'll focus a little bit on the friendship chapter because I figured it would, and it has a nice relationship to the program that you started, uh, the Best Friends uh, Foundation. Uh, we'll get to that in a, in a few moments. I, I think it's so okay. crucially important. You put your finger on something that I think it's important for people to know about the Book of Virtues, whether it's uh, the original or this, the new brand new 30th anniversary edition, it does transcend all faiths and ethnicities. It's easy, and it has been easy, for people who haven't looked at it to dismiss it, I suppose, as, oh, well, she's just talking and he's just talking about uh, the Bible or Judeo-Christian. No, these things have, these chapters have stories, I think, across every continent. I think they have stories probably from best I can tell from every religion, God, <laughs> and, and, and worship of God that has been known to man in the history of the world, they transcend these right. things, right? They transcend. Right. When we talk about the need for it, you have in the new revised edition introduction, you have a really important line here that I wanted to explore with you. Since the 90s, the world has changed dramatically. In some ways, it has changed for the better. There are astounding advances in technology, medicine, and communications. You both write. And isn't it an irony of our times, Elaine, Mrs. Bennett? Isn't it a dramatic and sad irony with, with all those advances and with the avail availability of knowledge and wisdom like never before and all the wealth we have in this country that we are seeing you used the word declines life expectancy has gone down drug use has gone up education outcomes are on the decline we're re-racializing a society we thought we had kind of put the lid on so much of that toxin uh, on it's an odd, ironic thing. The better we've done in some respects, the worse we've done in others, huh? Yes, that's right, Ms. Seth. Please call me Elaine. Okay. Uh, Mrs. Bennett, is, uh, you've now, you're now old enough, Seth, to call me Elaine. Uh, <laughs> I want to be young enough to call you Mrs. Bennett. <laughs> um, yes, we are, uh, as you say, we, we, Bill and I are concerned we are concerned at, uh, at, at at the status of, of our current culture. What what is going on? For goodness' sakes, um, why has life expectancy decreased with incredible medical advances? Um, and as you say, why have why does it appear that um, there's less? Um, there, there's a decline in, in, in moral yeah. uh, standards, yeah. a decline in behavior, a decline in courtesy yeah. to one another. Uh, we can point to COVID. We can say, all right, for three years almost, we've had to go into isolation. And I do think that's had an impact, Huge. particularly on our young people, Huge. Our, Huge. Our, yeah. our children. Yeah. Um, they haven't had the socialization opportunities. They haven't had the wonderful interaction in a classroom. And I do think it's been hard to have the teacher-student uh, interaction. As you know, I'm, I'm a teacher. I, I have great admiration for teachers. Uh, in our friendship chapter, we talk about Helen Keller yep. and her teacher, Ann Sullivan. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things that really out to me is 
the quote that actually Bill had used in the book earlier, that there is no friendship more sacred than that between student and teacher. Mm. Mm. And the illustration of the friendship between uh, Ann Sullivan and, Hen- and Helen Keller is, is a pure example of that. I have to tell you, preparing for my discussion with you, I reread, knowing I wanted to focus on friendship with you, I reread, I think, all the stories in it. There are a few that literally give you chills, or me, did for me. The Helen yeah. Keller story, a lot mm-hmm. of people you know, have a general idea of it. A lot of people have no idea about it. But even for those that have the general idea of it, may have even seen the movie, what was it, The Miracle Worker, um, yeah. just this short story as you two render it here, I got to tell you, it gave me chills. It gave me chills. I, I agree. And it's uh, it's sad to me that, I mean, you grew up knowing who Helen Keller was. I mean, she, she lived until 1968. Right. Um, in case your listeners don't know, she had a childhood illness at two, uh, which... Um, made her blind, deaf, and mute. Mm -hmm. And if you can imagine trying to cope with losing those senses, and and she couldn't communicate. And she was essentially just trapped, you know, in in her body and and, in darkness, a dark world. She didn't know what the word love meant. And by the grace of God, Ann Sullivan came into her life as a teacher and brought her out of that darkness, brought her out of that, that anger. She was an angry child. Oh, yes. Oh, and, yes. When you um, take something from a two-year-old like that, and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and we're not talking about a time period like now where we have all the technology and the ability and the wisdom. We're talking, the 18, we're talking just after the Civil War. We're talking 1868 or something like this. Uh, I believe, 1880s anyway. And I, I got to tell you, the moment when you render that Helen learned the word cake, when her teacher Annie Sullivan gave her that cake, oh my gosh, I mean, it's it, really, it gave me chills. It just gave me chills. Let me talk more about the importance of friendship with you. We'll get into your program a little bit too. Let me take a quick commercial break. It is okay. um, It is a delight to have with us Elaine Clever Bennett. She is the co-editor with William J. Bennett of the new 30th anniversary edition of the Book of Virtues. The stories are beautiful. The lessons are beautiful. The book itself is physically also beautiful. You could not have a better Christmas or Hanukkah gift than this. The Book of Virtues 30th anniversary edition. Elaine Bennett and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. It is a delight to have Elaine Glover Bennett with us. She is the co-editor with William J. Bennett of the 30th anniversary of the Book of Virtues. Elaine, that was uh, Neil Diamond's rendering we came in with of He's Not Heavy, He's My Brother. I love that. Yeah, and I know you do. And that story is in your chapter on friendship. Certainly is. A lot of people have heard that phrase. They don't know where it comes from. If they read this book, they'll know. Why don't you tell the audience? They'll know. They'll know. It came from uh, the story of Father Flanagan in Boys Town. Yep. And, I mean, truly a real-life story. Um of a man, a decent man, Father Edward Joseph Flanagan, uh, in Omaha, Nebraska. 
um, he became worried and concerned as citizens of Omaha were about boys running wild. I mean, it was probably the beginning of gangs. And these boys were almost always um, fatherless, um, in many cases fatherless and motherless. And they didn't have homes. They had no one to love them, no one to show them right from wrong. And so they got into trouble. You know, they broke store windows, they stole fruit from the grocer, and they fought in the street. Um, they didn't go as far as the gangs of today with weapons and, and, and murder and, and, and killing people. But um, they made themselves a, a huge nuisance. And um, Father Feinigan said, well, they need a home. They need someone to love them. They need a home. And the people of the council, well, who's going to take them in? Nobody wants these boys. And Father Flanagan said, I will. I'll take them home. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll make a home. So he borrowed money. He rented an old house. He went from door to door asking for used furniture and blankets and whatever, you know, the neighbors would give away. And many of them thought he was crazy. But enough people saw a good, kind man, and they gave him what, what they could. And so he started with just a few boys. And... It was remarkable, the change. Um, The boys grew older. They stopped, uh, you know, being uh, mischievous at at best and at worst um, stealing. And people heard of this. More and more boys showed up. And he said, he called us on and said, we need a place. <laughs> We've got to go find a place that, that, that's bigger, larger, where there's fresh air and there's a opportunity for them to run and grow and, and uh, you know, feel, feel wanted. She said they need a town of their own. So um, someone donated a big tract of land. And no one had ever heard of this idea, a town for boys nobody wanted, but Father Flanagan had the idea, had the, the, the love in his heart, the, the feeling for these, these young boys to help them. And they bought a farm, and then, you know, the rest is history. And one day, one of the bigger boys um, was out, and a little boy showed up, and he couldn't walk. Um, so when it dropped him off, um, no one really knew quite what his history was. And, when, and this larger boy picked him up and hoisted him on his back to carry him. And, and uh, Father Flanagan said, he's not too heavy, is he? And the boy said, you know, he ain't heavy, Father. He's my brother. Yeah. Yeah. And he wasn't truly. They weren't related. They weren't siblings, but they were brothers in the fact that they needed Boys Town. They were brothers in the fact that they had they needed someone to love them. And you know, you get chills. And I did about the end. Sullivan, Helen Keller. This one, because I have two sons. You know, I use that phrase a lot. Yeah. Uh, my boys. He's your brother. Yeah. He's not a problem. He's not a pain. He's your brother. Yeah. And then you know we have a little statue from Father Flanagan, and many people may have seen the statue where. One boy is holding the boy on his back, the boy's conned on his back, um, to help him move, to help him uh, along because he can't walk anymore. And the phrase at the bottom, you know, he's not heavy, he's my brother. 
Well, and that goes with girls, too. I was just going to say, yes, this is one of those stories that translates both ways. Mm -hmm. And in your opening to the chapter on friendship, you put it well. You say in the best friendships, we see in perhaps its purest form, a moral paradigm for all human relations. I like that. It's purest form. You said these two aren't related by blood. They're related by something else. There's something else, a pureness and a moral paradigm for all human relations. This is what we're meant to do. This is how we're meant to behave. This is how we're meant to treat other people, as if they are our best friend, right? Exactly. There you know, there are many kinds of friendships. Um, you know, there's friendships of, of, uh, of pleasure where people enjoy being with each other. There are friendships, and, and actually Aristotle discussed uh, the many varieties of friendship. Right. There are friendships of, of utility in which someone is useful to you or you're useful to them. But uh, the highest level of friendship is um being friends with someone who makes you a better person, right. seeking out the friendship of someone who raises your aspirations, who uh, encourages you to be better. Um, you know, we tell our students, and we have the Best Men Program for Boys and Best Friends for Girls, and now we're one, we're the BFF mm-hmm. um, for uh, Best Friends Foundation, is mm-hmm. actually what we call it, leadership program. And we say, seek out those friends who teach you something, who, who when you're with them, you feel better about yourself. Uh, if your friends are mean, as we tell our elementary kids, get new friends. If your friends make you feel badly, they aren't friends. Or they encourage you to do wrong things. So you can take friendship. You know, I had forgotten the story until we revisited a lot of these but Damon and Pythias. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just an amazing story about friendship and, and uh, how it was such a pure friendship. You know, I guess it was Pythias decided he, was, he would take Damon's place in prison if Damon didn't return, or right. Damon. And he did. Mm-hmm. And Dionysus the king was so impressed that he said, what kind of a friendship is this? You know, you were going to be killed in his place. Mm-hmm. And uh, as he said, I know that my friend will return. I know that uh, he makes a promise he'll return. And, of course, he did, and that, that was so amazing to the United that he changed his attitude. Yep. And then the beautiful friendship of uh, Jonathan and David yep. in the Old Testament. Yep. I mean, as we've said... Um, these are stories that transcend uh, race, creed, any, uh, any culture at all. I mean, it it, exactly. it, it, go, it goes really, it really goes to the culture of, of, of humanity, of being a human being. And one of the things I have to take a quick commercial break, uh, Elaine Bennett, when I come back, it's an interesting thing about friendships and what childhood friendships mean that the children are important. You also write, and I'm glad you did, they tell parents something too. Watching children's friendships are instructive for parents too. Let's talk about that when we come back. I am Seth Liebson. She is Elaine Glover-Bennett. She is with William J. Bennett, the co-editor of the brand spankin' new 
30th anniversary edition of the Book of Virtues. Elaine Bennett and I will be right back. <laughs> you like that? <laughs> you know I like that song. For those listening on the podcast, they don't get the music, unfortunately, but um, <laughs> but we're playing Brown-Eyed Girl. Uh, that's actually the Jimmy Buffett version. I did that because... Uh, because of the southern um, the southern influence of Jimmy Buffett rather than uh, mm-hmm. the original Van Morrison, Van, who's from Van Ireland. Van. But Elaine Bennett is our <laughs> guest. We are talking about uh, her and William J. Bennett's uh, brand new 30th anniversary edition of the Book of Virtues, just out, just in time for Christmas and Hanukkah. What a great compilation. We're talking about the chapter on friendship. Elaine, you were talking about uh, the importance of childhood friends, uh, friendships uh, between children and among children. You have this wonderfully important point in your introduction to the chapter, though, that I'd love you to say a word to the parents and the grandparents here, too. Childhood friendships tell parents which ways their children are tending. Talk to us about that, too. Well, it's important for parents to pay attention to their children's friends. Um, and have them over, get to know them, because, you know, the old adage, you judge a person by his or her friends, Mm -hmm. and um, what your common interests are. I think too many parents have become disconnected from that because, frankly, uh, children and young people are making their friends online. Mm -hmm. They communicate with their friends via text, via um, Instagram, and parents are shut out of that. They don't, they don't have that interaction. Consequently, they don't really know the personalities uh, or the character of their friend's children, excuse me, of their children's friends. Mm-hmm. That is vital. Mm-hmm. It's just vital. Um, you can't, you know, a child doesn't grow up in a vacuum. Right. And who they associate with, who they admire, who they want to be with. Who will influence them for the better, for the utility. What kind of person they become. Right. Parents can try, and certainly parents are the the first teachers, and parents can can, uh, make a huge difference. But but, uh, children need friends. They want to have friends. It's very sad. to see a child who doesn't have friends. It has an impact on their emotional development. And um, more and more, I think, it's hard for children to have friends as, as even as you did, Seth, as, as we did, as we, of course, still do, um, because they don't have the interaction. That's right. It's all, it's all digital. It's all on a screen. And it's all about fast. Mm-hmm. Fast, quick. Mm-hmm. What what's cool? Mm-hmm. And don't you know? Don't take too much time. And there's the old saying: Well, it's it's not the qu- the quantity of time; it's the quality. Well, it's the quality and the quantity. Yeah, I agree. Agree. Even if you're just sitting there quietly doing nothing, that quantity mm-hmm. can matter if you're doing it with a mm-hmm. good person or or a safe person or a serious person um, or a calming presence, right? Uh, even if, yeah. even if, if, if you're just reading next to one another to yourselves. It is an interesting mark of the moment when you think about all these online uh, pieces of technology that unite people. 
the first thing that uh, the Facebook called uh, your associates, the people you would visit with, uh, that you would, uh, you know, uh, interact with, was friends. And mm-hmm. in some respects, yeah, yeah, well, you yeah. friend me. And it seems to me it's it's actually corrupted that word as much as it's corrupted the individuals who spend so much time on there, right? Well, it's a very interesting point, Seth. You always make very interesting points. Um, <laughs> I'm learning that, them from you. <laughs> I'm learning them. <laughs> well, it's true. Um, oh, I'm friends with him on Facebook. Yep. yep. You know, I'll say, well, how do you know? Well, we're not friends, but I'm friends with him on Facebook. Yep. Um, you do have true friends who friend you on Facebook, but you also have many, many people, 348 close friends. Yep. Come on. Uh, people, and, and I've seen this competition. Oh, I have 1,000 yep. friends on yep. Facebook. Yep. You know, really? Yep. Are they really friends? Yep. Um, and it's, please friend this, or please like my such and such. And there's, there's this, that's kind of, um, it's, you know, kind of goes against the true principle of friendship. Yeah, that's exactly right, because think about it. They're quickly gained, not earned. They're quickly gained, and you can offend them in a trice, and the moment they unfriend you because you offended them, you've now created a situation of massive depression. This was a short segment, Elaine. Let me come back with a longer one, and let me ask you about friendship and your foundation, the Best Friends Foundation, uh, what it does and how these kind of themes unite. I also want to ask you, if it's not unfair, if you have a favorite story in the Book of Virtues. When we come back, we will come back with Elaine Glover-Bennett. She, along with William J. Bennett, have the brand-new 30th anniversary edition of the Book of Virtues. Just out. She and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Delighted to have Elaine Bennett with us. She, along with William J. Bennett, has edited a brand new version of the Book of Virtues, the 30th anniversary edition. I say brand new version, not because there are new virtues, but there are some new stories in here from the original, and there is new and updated uh, commentary from she and Dr. Bennett. Elaine, um, is it unfair for me to ask you if you have a favorite story in the Book of Virtues? It might be unfair. Well, it's a bit unfair, Seth. Um, I was kind of madly thinking, which do I, which do I consider a favorite? I have favorite stories to teach certain things. Um, the, uh, as I mentioned before, um, I, I do think uh, children need to have examples, examples of of friendship and loyalty and courage. Um, brought to them. And one of the ways this book is so lovely is it's a resource for parents and teachers if they need to, if they have a teachable moment and they need to make a point. Um, I mean, I was thinking that, that students should, should know what Aristotle said about friendship right. and to know that, uh, that the best kind of friend to have is the person who makes you a better person there's a series of letters back and forth that I think are quite impressive for perhaps the older child who's 10 to maybe 13 from uh, Thomas Jefferson and, mm-hmm. and James Madison mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as they're in the, their last years of, of life. And, and then there's the, the, the classic that I don't know if people know uh, between John Adams and Thomas Jefferson, who at certain points of their life, were um, 
were not friends. Right, right. They right. disagreed. Right. Um, but interestingly and sort of fascinatingly, on July 4th, 1826, 50 years after the birth of our nation, which Adams and Jefferson helped create, they died on the very same day. Yep. And, you know, there was two great friends and great patriots departed this earth together, as we say in the, in the introduction. So here's a way to sort of imbue history mm-hmm. with, with emotion. Mm-hmm. And, and how, how did that happen? And it was July 4th. Yeah. Um, yeah. Pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah. Just pretty amazing. Yeah, that, that gives you its own set of chills. You know, one of the lessons here is that disagreements don't need to ruin friendships, too, which they do online. Those online fake friendships, you know, you can be unfriended and turned into a victim of bullying immediately. But, you know, what you're pointing out here in these lessons and stories on friendships is you can have disagreements among friends. I'll tell you one of my favorites, uh, Elaine, if I can. Uh, Horace, Horace Greeley was the, uh, the big newspaper uh, editor. Uh, excuse me. Yeah, Horace Greeley of the New York Tribune. And he wrote yeah. a stinging letter and rebuke to Abraham Lincoln when he was president uh, for Lincoln not moving fast enough or seriously enough on, you know, the issues having to do with, with the war and slavery, Lincoln wrote back an amazingly beautiful thing. He didn't argue with him. He wrote, if there be perceptible in your letter an impatient and dictatorial tone, I waive it in deference to an old friend whose heart I have always supposed to be right. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that That beautiful? beautiful? You can waive the anger if their heart is right. If the heart is right, and you know the heart is right. Isn't that uh, that's, a, that's a great example, Seth, of how you do continue with friends. Um, you know, even simple things that we have in this book, uh, poetry, you know, make new friends but keep the old. Uh-huh. One is silver and the other gold. Right. I remember singing that I in, in Brownie Scout. <laughs> I, I, remember. I, <laughs> I remember. I don't know if anybody sings that any, know. anymore. And certainly, um, as we've all heard of there, and, and, and it's particularly um, obvious in, in girls and girls' friendships, um, the cliques and the ganging up on another girl or one, you know, one week this girl's in, in, in with the end group, mm-hmm. but the friends turn against them and decide, no, no, don't like her anymore. You know, we're going to be friends with someone else. And how 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 emotionally damaging that is. Um, I was with a group of women, and they each started talking about how their grandchildren are being bullied. Mm-hmm. And uh, boys, too, but particularly harmful girls. Um, and how how um, devastating it is, devastating for, 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 for both, for boys and girls, but it's, and, and, and men and women. Um, it's something that we, we really should pay more attention to, what friendship means, what friendship is, what friendship isn't, um, in addition, of course, to the other, the other virtues that, that are a little more obvious, a little more dramatic, which is loyalty, honesty, courage, and especially compassion. Um, I mean, truly, a big part of being a friend 
is if you have compassion you for bet. that you that, bet. that person. You bet. It's a good segue. Get, take a minute and a half, if you don't mind, as we're winding down and talk about, you know, how in your professional life, I need to say professional, even though I know you volunteer it, um, you're a volunteer in this effort. Talk a little bit about the work you've done in creating the Best Friends Foundation and how it has imbued so much of your work, which is why I thought we would spend so much time on this chapter uh, today. But talk about Say it. Take, take 90 seconds to tell us about the Best Friends Foundation and what you all do there. Well, thank you, Seth. This is our 35th anniversary, if you can imagine. <laughs> and, and you have been uh, a, a good friend to best friends. You've attended many of our uh, benefits, uh, and you've seen our students come forward and sing and dance and talk about um, uh, kind of what best friends meant to them. You've seen our scholars uh, who've been awarded scholarships. We were counting them up the other day. Uh, it's over 400 students, and they've gone to schools across the country. Incredible. Um, you know, historically black colleges, many of them, great historically black colleges. Uh, others, too, University of Arizona, mm-hmm. uh, University of North Carolina. Mm-hmm. You know, I know those are two of our favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we have a current student at uh, at Harvard, um, which is which is. Um, we're, we're proud of, but no, no more proud of that than we are of our students at North Carolina A and T. I think when when I started the program, I was at Georgetown University in the Child Development Center, and Bill and I had a long trip. I think it was before I guess it was before Joseph, our thirty-three-year-old, was born, and little John was in the back seat, you know, asleep in his in his. Um, Carrier, car seat, and I told him of a story, something that had happened that day at, at, at the Child Development Center where we were evaluating children for various disabilities. A young girl came in with her baby. She was 12 years old, and this baby had many developmental disabilities. And I started thinking, you know, this is a child. How did she get to this this point? Um, because we were giving all of our attention to the disabled baby, and I said, we need to give attention to this child who had a baby yeah. as a child. Yeah, child mother, and right. kind of one thing led to another, and we decided, uh, Bill was Secretary of Education at the time, and I put together a curriculum, and I said, you know, I think we need to talk about something in which Girls support each other, and then later, Best Men started in 2000. But, and, and, uh, students basically support each other in making good decisions. Well, it's important and, that people know how to, uh, check it out, uh, across the country. Certainly in this audience, you have fantastic curricula, fantastic lesson plans, a fantastic, uh, line of uh, of success there, so people can check it out at bestfriendsfoundation.org, bestfriendsfoundation.org. Elaine Bennett, thanks for spending some of your afternoon with us, and thank you for this beautiful book. Again, folks, it's the Book of Virtues, 30th Anniversary Edition, edited with new commentary by William J. Bennett, and our guest for this past hour, who has been Elaine Glover Bennett. Elaine, 
Thank you. God bless you. Thanks for being such a great Thank friend you, to me. Seth. God Thank bless you. you. You're a true friend. Thank you, dear. I am Seth Liebson. I'll be back with a closing thought. Thanks for spending some of your afternoon with us. Portions of this show brought to you by the great people at Y Refi. If you're looking for an investment that is not related to the stock market with all its volatility, that's what Y Refi has to offer you. It's a portfolio where you'll know what each monthly statement will look like with no surprises. You can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you choose. There is no loss of principle if you need your money back at any time time. It's a secure collateralized portfolio that delivers a high fixed interest rate up to 10.25%. That's 10 and a quarter percent. Why Refi is a due diligence approved firm and you can check them out at investyrefi.com. The word invest, the letter Y, refy.com or 888-YREFI-34. That's 888-YREFI-34. I think about the virtues, spending the last hour talking about the book of virtues with Elaine Bennett. The same way that Judge Leonard White, played by Morgan Freeman in Bonfire of the Vanities, talks about justice. It's, yes, the law, but it's really, he says, our feeble attempt to set down the principles of decency. Decency, he says, it's not a deal. It isn't an angle. It's not a contract. It's not a hustle. It's what your grandmother taught you. It's in your bones. Aristotle, no, sorry, Plato said all learning is unlocking that which we used to know. That's what virtues are. That's the stuff that's in our bones. That's what a book on virtues or the book of virtues does. It helps us unlock that which we used to know. The stuff our grandparents knew. The stuff maybe deeply buried in the bones still, but are still there. God bless you all. Until tomorrow, I am Seth Liebson, and class is dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.